Here we go. Woo. All right. Big mug. Big mug zoom coming at you. We seem to be ready. <laughs> Whoa, my camera stays in focus a lot better these days. Oh, now as I say it, it goes out. Mm-hmm. All right. Can everybody see us? Check this out. We're on. Good I morning. We broke the, I think we broke the internet. <laughs> we almost did. Apparently, we got the squirrels properly fed. They have canceled their mutiny, and they are running. Awesome. Well, they're Canadian squirrels, so we forgot to feed them in metric this time around. They're, they're, they're fussy. <laughs> they felt shorted. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, a metric peanut is like 1.6 of an imperial peanut, and, and we always forget the conversion. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, you guys in the chat, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Holy smokes. That was an interesting moment in these times of trial. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. On, on our side, we, we've tried a couple of times and it th- two or three times it said, uh, nope. <laughs> Literally, the message said, eh, sorry, can't. <laughs> I have a headache. Not today. It was saying something like that. And we got kicked a few times as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We got bumped out of the, the green room trying to get in. We had to figure and then um and I know that Sierra from our team was messaging in teams in the background that she was uh having trouble even getting into the session to to log into the site. So oh well. Yeah. So well oh excellent tip then right off the bat. If you're mm-hmm. gonna be doing this kind of a webinar online thing while you're sheltering in place and teaching online, you should have a producer in the background that can be very helpful for you when this Maybe happens. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you're thinking of including webinar type things in your learning ecosystem, <laughs> see what I did there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Becky's saying, I think it's all Chris since he's fuzzy wuzzy. Um, I'm not bare. I'll tell you that I have a shirt on. So, <laughs> and he is here. He's not there. That's right. <laughs> was he? Waka waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, we'll wait for it. Okay. Oh shoot! I had it turned down. Oh no! Dang it! Oh, because that's still going. Well, oh, there we go. As Brett was saying, it's sometimes good to have a producer in the background of your webinar. <laughs> Never try to produce your own. That's right. There we go. There we go. Now we're in. We're talking about ecosystems, but who's our guest today, Chris? We have the wonderful, the beautiful, the evervescent Derek Redmond joining us today all the way from wash oshawa washington where the heck did that come from? i know why because they're pretty close conversation about redmond washington right there it is yeah, yeah. yeah. they're pretty wow. close wow. yeah <laughs> joining us all the way from the beautiful oshawa ontario just down the 401 from the center of the universe <laughs> or so we think yeah so well so that so it thinks technically you're not in it right i mean yeah, it's, you, you can it's, reserve that so this is some this is, this is some canadian toronto bashing which is actually one of our national pastimes here in canada it's true it Just is like it is yeah. yeah exactly so um derek let's take a second to give you a chance to introduce yourself to to the folks who joined us tell us a little bit about your your background and then we'll get rolling in today's today's conversation sure uh thank you so much i'm so happy to be here uh, that was the most compliment I've ever received. Uh, so that was a beautiful per like that's mm. awesome. Um, so myself, oh, they're, um, all, they're all in the cue card that you sent us. I don't. It's true. It's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I work for a, a company called uh, Point Click Care, and I'm an instructional designer and uh, educational technology specialist. Uh, in Point Click Care, we work in the uh, long-term care post-acute um, uh, industry in both uh, the United States and Canada, uh, providing uh, solutions for them, electronic medical records and, and other solutions as well. Um, so my role there is uh, just creating content for staff to uh, support them in, in doing their jobs, essentially. Um, so that's that's where I currently am. Yeah, cool. And you have, a, I mean, you have a previous background in uh, directly in the healthcare space, too. Yeah, right? as an yeah, instructional I, design. I do, yeah, I used to work at uh, Baycrest Health Sciences, it's a mm -hmm. geriatric hospital in uh, in Toronto, and I was there for uh, three about three years. Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, previous to that, I was at uh, Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health, uh, which is just in Whippy, um, and I was also there for about three three and a half years. Nice. So yeah. nice, nice, nice. Um, and you are also part of the organizing committee, if we'll call it that, for the yes. uh, Canadian the Canadian e learning conference. Held, yeah, I'm the uh, the, the director. <laughs> Go the, ahead. The, uh, yeah, the uh, director of vendor relations there as well, Canadian e learning conference, which uh, we sadly had to cancel uh, this year due to uh, uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, we were really, really looking forward to it. Um, but uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always mm -hmm. held in in downtown Toronto. Um, yeah, and we've been to it. We, I mean, me and Domino a, a few times, and it's yep. a, a really great lineup and a, a fabulous uh, venue. And it, um, I really like it for the intimacy I would describe of, of it. Yeah. Like it's um, a very warm and ca conversational. It doesn't, you know, you're not spread out all over the place. So it's really a, a really neat, uh, unique experience. So yeah, it's uh, it's not so big that you don't get to meet everybody. Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's big enough but small enough where you really get to have uh, some good networking with folks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Cindy says great food. Yeah, that is a, that is a highlight too. Yeah, uh, the first year when they rolled out the skewers and stuff, and I went, "Whoa, this is conference food! It's not in a box. What's going on?" No, no it's gourmet. It's gourmet. <laughs> no kidding. No, uh, the conference uh, has, uh, fabulous that it keeps growing every year, and and it's always very, very, very well put together. So kudos to you and the gang on on that front. So yeah. thanks so much. Um, so we're talking tri uh, learning ecosystems here today. Um, and we have this controversial title. I don't know. We're all about the controversial titles today. <laughs> Dump your training strategy for a learning ecosystem. So, um, and and I mean, hey, a conference could also be part of a learning ecosystem, I guess, yep, in some, in some angles, yep. et cetera. I um, mean, we were chatting um, just before the session, we were chatting a little bit about how how we all kind of really like that, the term learning ecosystem for a, for a number of reasons. Um, and, and maybe let's just start with 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 what your reasons are then for for liking that term learning ecosystem to get started. Uh, sure, I mean it's it's really all encompassing. Looking at a very high level overview of everything that can affect learning at your organization, from uh, the technology that might be involved to the content that's involved to all the people that are involved, um, and set within the context of your organizational policies, uh, even funding. Um, and things external to your organization. So uh, people uh, or content and skills that people are bringing in from university and college courses, they're bringing in those skills and knowledge into your organization and affecting your organization. Uh, government policies and, and legislation that require certain things. Um, so it, it's just really, really high level overview. It gives you a good map of what learning looks like at your organization. Um, it allows you to see relationships between how things affect mm. one another uh, and gives you a good strategic point as to where you can really, really make good decisions. Mm -hmm. um, 
and we were I mean, one of the things that I like about the term is it also reminds us that it's a, you know an interconnectedness of things. You know, pulling from the ecosystem, the world of biology, etc. Um, that, that it's not just something also, it's not just something monolithic, like singularly an LMS or singularly, you know, one place or one, one thing as well. It reminds us that stuff is all over in a sense, and it's all yeah. part, of, part of the whole. Exactly. I mean, it, it comes from the idea of biological ecosystems. If you've watched planet Earth, they talk about it all the time. You know, you're looking at the jungles uh, and they talk about, you know, you remove that one thing or add that one thing and you can see this just... Uh, right. complete change in how the entire ecosystem um, is um, and, and it's taking that kind of same perspective into your organization to see how things are affecting learning. Mm -hmm, for sure. I like the term because it also has a sense of including the wetware, right? Our brains, the people, mm -hmm. right? And the yep. culture, right? So when you think about a learning ecosystem, you could think about it mostly from the tech side and the, and the technologies that are inside of the organization, but the learning also that happens up here and between mm -hmm. individuals in the office. So culture plays a role. Just like yep. if you pulled out one particular piece of technology that might have a trickle down effect. If you pulled out a few people and put in a few new people that kind of yep. shifts that ecosystem too a little bit so it's yep. it, the whole entire thing it is not something that we normally focus on or have yeah. conversations about definitely i mean if if uh let's say you have a role of somebody who's uh just an uh, uh, lms administrator and they're doing a lot of the reporting functions for the organization if you take that person out there goes the entire reporting function for the organization. So you, it's it's how people, the, the jobs they do, but also the skills and the knowledge that they bring to the organization and how that affects everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and that was the, the comment about things affecting. I went, oh yeah, that's, I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't extended the metaphor mentally, you know, out to that, to that level of, um, yeah, you take something out or you put something new in. Yeah. And then there are ripple effects or, or other, um, other things that then occur as a result of that too. Yeah. Yeah, and again, not even just internal to the organization, but if if you're uh, working for a hospital, for example, and government funding gets cut, um, how is that going to affect learning at your mm -hmm. organization and what you can put out and maybe the staff that you have? Um, all of that so it's it's not just internal to your organization yeah, yeah that, that makes perfect sense all the external forces that act on the business and the individuals and yep. i mean you could even keep continuing to stretch it out to everybody's got their own family situation right and if something yep. happens you know for them their focus on the business can change a little bit that can impact everything how does the culture how does everything shift and how does everything yep. change or if there's a global pandemic of some sort you know, <laughs> and everybody has to start working from home all of a sudden so yeah. sometimes yeah. that would impact the ecosystem yeah, geez, geez brent would you would you stop reading those science fiction books <laughs> i know that'll never happen that'll never happen <laughs> <Crazy>. <laughs> yeah yeah. So what do we look at? Like I'm thinking, let's let's do. We've gone really high and expanded really wide, but let's pull it back down just a little bit. Something a little bit more tactical for us. You know, if we're thinking about learning ecosystems, maybe we can start with, like, what tech does an, a company typically already have that could be part of that learning ecosystem? I would say for most organizations, we're we're at the LMS stage. Like we, <laughs> we mostly have an LMS. 
So if you're looking at the tech, you might have, so your LMS is central providing a lot of that content, maybe the scheduling of in-class content. Uh, you might have your HRIS system, uh, which is providing uh, the employee profiles. You might have your, um, um, maybe you use Active Directory for authenticating to log in, so you can go sign on perhaps into uh, a learning management system. Um, and perhaps you might have a separate analytic system that is trying to, to pull information from the LMS and, and analyze that, or it's within your LMS itself. Um, so I, I think for most people at the technology side, uh, that, that's where most organizations are at. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it's interesting because I think some people still haven't quite thought of all those other technologies that can be used as part of the learning ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And one of the yeah. easiest ones, I think, is uh, email gets skipped mm -hmm. a lot, right? People yeah. stop thinking about that because it's like everybody likes to bash on email. Oh, it's old school. You should use Slack. You should do this. You just shouldn't even use email. It's just horrible, you know, and everybody kind of bashes on it. But yet 90% of the people out there still live and die by what's in their inbox. Yep. And it's always surprising to me that we as learning professionals don't take more advantage of that. And I don't mean take advantage of it by like, plugging all sorts of learning stuff into everybody's inbox but just every time some sort of message goes out or something you know you know why can't we just kind of put a little widget in of some sort that teaches people something or maybe it reminds them to think about something i don't know yeah yeah or it links to to something that, that yeah. might not necessarily live in an lms uh, which is good uh, it's funny you, you mentioned email earlier today i was uh, uh rereading my uh my paper to familiarize myself with the conversation today. Um, and uh, there's part in there talking about uh, the data architecture and what would be required as part of data architecture, one of those being data logistics. And I was trying to bring some of these things really, really back to basics of even if you don't really have any, uh, I would say, advanced technology. Uh, one of your methods of data logistics, that being moving um, data around the ecosystem itself, might be email. You might be mm -hmm. manually sending Excel reports uh, around to people, and that would actually be an example of uh, a really basic data logistics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, so, what else? Like, what else do we have? So, if we've got email systems, most companies have an internal. Uh, I want to call it like a social media system or something. I mean, they yeah. they used to call it what enterprise social media. Um, yeah, you made up that you might have um, like a Yammer type page, uh, mm -hmm. even Microsoft Teams uh, or, or Skype or any of those systems as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I wonder is there are there good examples out there of how people use those in uh, differently than their LMS? Like, can we can we do more than just build courses and stick them into the LMS? Of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a loaded question. <laughs> it's a very loaded question. Uh, I mean, L LMSs um, typically lend themselves well to uh, the administration of learning, um, and it lends itself well to the traditional e-learning, uh, if you think of it that way. But I mean, there might be uh, uh, many types of activities or, or authoring tools, if you will, they might be using that uh, don't necessarily shouldn't necessarily live in an LMS. You might have a VR AR experience that don't really want that perhaps to live in an LMS. Um, so it's thinking to the, uh, the learning experience for each thing that you're trying to roll out and saying, what's the best way to actually host whatever solution you're creating. Mm -hmm. um, 
we're just getting some some comments in the uh, in the chat. People are, are as as we expect, always uh, jumping in. Um, Stephanie was noting, I want to start an email drip course, and her, those are her quotes at our organization. Yeah. Um, and I was actually a few years ago, uh, Dr. Will Talheimer was doing something, and it was largely email based, and it wasn't like mm -hmm. a newsletter, but it was it was a structured thing. It was a, I think actually it was uh, related to his work in um, space learning. But yep. um, and, and so and, and it was just a simple thing. It was not uh, super complicated, et cetera. But I'd signed up for that just to see well, what's this what's the good doctor doing here? Um, uh, so, you know, that, and it was literally just running emails um, out. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you were being linked to other things, et cetera. But yeah. that was the delivery mechanism. And, it, you know, it was very effective um, yeah. in, in for the model of what he was um, what he's doing. Yeah. Subscription learning. That's yeah, uh, that was the thing. Uh, didn't have a name for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of the problems with how um, organizations have their systems set up right now is if you do um, something like an email drip or, or the um, subscription learning and you have content also in your LMS, uh, there may not be interoperability between mm. the two systems that you're using. So you might have now learning content in two different systems, which uh, definitely creates a, a challenge. Well, and this is where XAPI comes into the conversation, I guess. We yep. would be remiss if we did not even mention the acronym that is, yep. uh, you know, so... Uh, Sweep of the nation. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's it's one of the problems that it was trying to solve in the original days when they first started thinking about trying to solve that LMS problem or the data problem, I guess I should say. Then the interoperability problem was yeah. how do we come up with a super easy way to get all these other learning you know platforms and or other i should say mm -hmm. maybe platforms that can be used as learning to deliver learning content how do we track that and how do we know mm -hmm. that because people are only learning like you know this much of their learning ecosystem is the lms and then they do all yeah. these other activities that actually contribute to their learning so how do we track all of that to get a better idea a more holistic view of that mm -hmm. And so that's um, for those of you maybe who are new to XAPI, because I'm still running into people on a regular basis that are like, X what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Christopher Yellen's throwing a, a note in the chat, or don't bother tracking it. If you track mm -hmm. results, that's how you know it worked, not by completions, which is, yeah, I mean, that's that's the always the, the, the goal is to know that you're creating something as a change or improvement, uh, et cetera. Um, otherwise, there's not there's otherwise we don't have actually a role uh, in, in the workplace learning space. That's what we're that's what we're here for. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, there, there's API and of course, there's also another acronym LTI, which is uh, uh, just more acronyms for the industry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. this, also, this also expands our role, I believe, as developers as and as instructional designers, because as we look at the ecosystem as a whole, I think it becomes very obvious that we can create more media and more content than just courses, right? I mean, mm -hmm. when I first got into this industry, legitimately, the only thing that instructional designers were trained to create were classroom-based courses. Everything mm -hmm. was student-teacher handouts. You train an instructor, the instructor goes into a classroom, and you create two products, the 
teacher guide and the student guides mm -hmm. and maybe some interactive activities with some other elements and stuff, you know, and then you'd package it in a box and send it to somebody and they would have all the stuff in it they needed to teach the course. And that, yeah. but that was it, right? I mean, that was, that was all we had to do as instructional designers was get good at doing that. And now it's like the whole entire digital world has opened up to us and it's like, I think it's overwhelming for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. It is, and and coming to interoperability, there's so many APIs and specifications out there. It's, uh, I think the industry it's been struggling a bit to to try and create a, a standardized uh, spec for everything. Yeah, which you know, I guess that was the point of XAPI and and LTI. And I see Rick mentioned their uh, TLA, which I'm assuming that's total learning architecture from ADL. Um, if we can confirm that's that's what he meant by that one, uh, but. Yes, it's, you know, what, what, what the heck do we use? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly, the, yeah, I, I, what are we tracking? What does it matter what we're tracking? We have to have an understanding of, of the value of, um, of that. <laughs> Three-letter acronyms, TLA. <laughs> of course, TLA, yeah. yeah nice, that's, that's Three-letter acronyms that also mean multiple things. That <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, it's it's like a Rorschach. Uh, you know, what do you see in this in this acronym? <laughs> you know, this came up in a conversation yesterday, and it, it's a it might be a little tangent, but not too much, I don't think. Is is that I think the whole measurement thing, right? To looking at are we measuring the work that people are doing, and are we really looking at that output and the things that really matter to the business? It you know, or are we just tracking unfun things? And I think now more than ever, this also applies to leadership and how teams work externally and understanding what those outputs are, because there's a lot of leaders going, well, how do I be a leader? How do I manage my people from a distance, from afar? How do I track that? How do I know that they're doing the work? And it's like, well, how did you, how did you know that they were doing the work before? And if the answer was, I could see them working in the office, then you know you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least in our minds, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have a punch card. They came in at 855 and then they took lunch from here to here and then they punched out at 502. And that's how we knew that they were here and doing stuff. Yes. And they get a gold star on their. That's right. Report card. It be, yeah, no kidding. Um, um, that, kind of, that kind of sounds a little bit like uh, uh, learning complete incomplete. Yes. <laughs> Data. Yep. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. I was going with it. Yeah. There's that parallel there, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You got to measure the right things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, let's maybe take ourselves back to the to the big thing again, though, because uh, something that, uh, that that we haven't maybe talked about is because we talk about this idea of learning ecosystems being different than focusing strictly on something that we might call training, whether that's LMS or or, or whatever training it you know we think of in that way uh, but let's talk about some of the, the benefits i guess of shifting to this mindset like what uh, you know what kind of opportunities uh, do people find when they start moving this to this direction uh, or, or thinking in this more holistic way mm -hmm. uh, well if you set up yourself to have uh, um, i mean a good foundation for your ecosystem which would be your technology and data architecture um, that really is the the foundation of everything if you don't have that set up well, you've got your, your classic garbage in, garbage out of data. Um, having the perspective on the ecosystem and setting up that foundation well gives you a lot of data. And if you have designed that architecture well and are really focusing on things that you wanna be able to capture, measure, and do something with, you have a lot of data to now do stuff with. 
And, and that's, mm. that's the real power uh, of the ecosystem. You can do whatever you want with that data. Um, you could um, create a lot of personalization for folks. Um, so it could good for like adaptive learning as an example, uh, adapting the learning experience automatically as things are, are progressing. Um, which I'll also add is not necessarily agreed upon in the entire learning industry. There are people who are against that for, for very good reasons as well, but uh, it, it is a possibility. But uh, if you also have a governance structure in place who's overseeing the learning ecosystem, it gives them a lot of data to actually make real decisions mm. uh, to affect your overall ecosystem. Um, so really having that data and being able to do something with that data is, is the real power of this, this view. What strikes me is wondering where people find it, because traditionally, you know, training departments didn't really look for this information, right? And so if we're looking to figure out, okay, and you should always start with what do you have, right? What is what is the current state look like? Where would somebody mm -hmm. go to to get a nice, easy to understand picture of their internal tech and data architecture? Where would they go for that? Um... Well, I would say most folks that I've come across, they haven't mapped it out. Um, so it's something where you might just have to sit down and map it out. Uh, there, there, there might be somebody in your IT department who uh, deals with um, integrations between systems and they may, they may have something already kind of mapped out. Um, but for, for most folks I've, I've spoken to, they, they have not actually sat down to map out what my technology uh, system itself looks like and how things are communicating back and forth between each other. Um, but yeah, you got to sit down and do that one. I guess you probably have to, the, the first place would be just to simply survey all the things that are, are doing something related yep. to this. And, and I, I don't, that sounds kind of, I don't know, that, that doesn't sound very specific, but just sitting back and just saying, uh, oh, right, we got LMS. Okay, write that down. Um, yeah. Oh, we got posters on the wall. That's actually part of this whole thing, too. We got mm -hmm. the, you know, the hand washing poster now, you know, by, by the sink or, or whatever. Yep. Um, I, you know, all of those things. Oh, we've got that uh, the SharePoint site where people mm -hmm. are, you know, stuff, stuff lots of things, et cetera. Um, and just even starting there to even see and, and think, um, thinking about it, you know, from that perspective of, uh, I'm using the term survey, but a survey in the sense of looking out over the landscape, uh, as opposed right, to- what did, what did the IT guy give you on your orientation day when you first yeah. got hired, right? <laughs> you could start there and just go, okay, you know, what are the icons on my laptop? Uh, and, yep. and just, and like you said, Chris, just get on a whiteboard and just start drawing it out and drawing lines and connect them to each other and yeah. put something together, send it to your IT guy and say, hey, does this kind of look like what we have and they yep. might either just say yeah that looks that looks about right or they might go hey you know what we've already drawn one of those for you here just take ours <laughs> yeah and, and i mean when you're doing that as well don't forget about the people yeah so we want to uh, so who are your developers who are your smes who are yeah. your uh multimedia developers yeah don't forget yeah. that too and then when you, maybe when you've got those different pieces uh, whether they're tech or non-tech etc but trying to then identify what it is that uh, what role those things are playing and then what kind of you know is there something that's that's that you want to track out of that role you know what yep. kind of what's the suitable thing and then how do we how do we figure out what that tracking is going to look like and how that relates to things that we can track in you know in other places too yeah definitely and if there's uh, any opportunity for interoperability between between systems yeah like amy's saying for us we started with three key problems that we need that needed to be solved from there we made interoperability a criteria and decided to leverage xapi as that standard 
then we were able to hone in on what was needed to solve each problem. Amy, what were the three problems? Uh, that would be really cool to know uh, if you've got a heartbeat to, or a moment to, to drop that into the chat. That would be really cool to just help other people understand you know, where you guys were coming from. And I, I, yeah. I, I know we, uh, we harped a bit on uh, complete incomplete data, but you might need to start there as a yeah. starting point. And that's not a problem at all. I mean, if you're trying to get interoperability between your LMS and another system, maybe SharePoint, your hosting's up there and here and here and here, start with that complete incomplete as a starting point to get everything together, all your data into one spot, and then start uh, going into more uh, specific information. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So Amy's saying content management deployment, pushing into other systems, getting data into one data pool, speed up development and implementation. So you guys were, Amy's group was very definitely focused on that, you know, the, the technology, uh, the technology challenges of, of bringing things uh, together and, and trying to make sense of it all. Very cool. That, that Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Thanks, Amy, yeah. for doing that. And um, but that ties in her last bullet item there kind of ties into Becky Willis's statement up above Becky, by the way, former guest of the show. Um, and uh, well, for Amy mentioned, so speed up development and implementation. But Becky reminds us that we need to adapt our um, strategies around that. What does that architecture look like as to, you know, who creates the content? How does it get created? Why does it get created? And what does that workflow look like as, as learning content solution developers or learning experience developers, whatever we call ourselves in the organization, how do we then fit our work into that data architecture and how does it all interoperate and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, there's a lot of strategic work that needs to be done, and maybe right now is a good time for people to be <laughs> doing that. Yeah, and uh, Amy there mentioned also uh, uh, Lego strategy, so uh, plug and play, you know, add uh, like Lego building blocks on top of a, perhaps a core system, uh, which LTI is a good option to, to provide that if your systems are LTI compliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you Brent was just saying that, you know, in these unusual times, um, they might actually reveal problems uh, that we might not have known or might, we might not have worried too much about, but uh, then these things, these problems might now suddenly have a, a different level of uh, of importance than they might have had before. So it'd be an opportunity to start thinking about those for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Kristen is asking in the in the questions, what are the considerations around accessibility, which is um, uh, such an, a critical um, and important thing to to be considering. I mean, lots of tools have some levels of accessibility, but not all of them have um, a level of universal accessibility that uh, that we would like to see. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, uh, with accessibility, it comes down to being able to personalize the experience for, for everybody um, as much mm -hmm. as possible. Um, I know um, the something called the Next Generation Digital Learning Environment, um, which is, you can yeah. find that on the EdgeCase uh, website. One of their main pillars of that, uh, that system is accessibility and universal design. Mm -hmm. And, and and especially if you're actually going to start implementing something new, if you're bringing in something new, then making sure that that is the accessibility aspect is is already part of that uh, as you're getting started, rather than trying to bolt it on later or, or thinking about it as a oh yeah we we need to, uh, making that a key you know evaluation criteria or um, a key component of why you're bringing in a tool, uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't happen to have a link to that. Uh, it, was Just it? threw it in the chat there. Yeah, oh, there we go. Perfect. Hey, way to stay on the ball. 
I hope everybody doesn't mind if we just if we're going a little bit longer than we normally do since we got a late start. As long as everybody's okay with that, uh, if we got more questions or if we uh, if we feel good right now. Uh, Katie's throwing in. It's also a good opportunity to improve the online learning experience when everyone is going through online content. Makes you think about the experience overall, for sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, uh, all of the things, even technical glitches when you go to get started. Um, what's the what's the what's the process? How does that process look for resolving those things? Or sort of contingency plans. Mm, yeah, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah. I started calling it, uh, you know, the business continuity planning is an important uh, yeah. topic in the business world. There's actually job roles just for business continuity planning. But then when schools all of a sudden shut down, I started thinking, how come nobody's talking about academic continuity planning? And then I just realized, well, geez, everybody's working from home. Everybody is sheltering in place. So it's really lifestyle continuity planning. Did anybody ever actually like plan <laughs> to be doing this? So, yeah. You know, it just kind of levels up and gets really broad. But my my point, the reason why I kind of bring that whole thing up is from an ecosystem perspective, right? We, it's, we can now see, we've now experienced how interconnected so many different things are, especially when we're talking about learning and how do we keep learning happening and what tools are people using? And even though we're still kind of right in the middle of it, uh, I've been encouraging people to start thinking about what is you know, what could we be doing right now that's going to benefit us six weeks, eight weeks down the road, right? Uh, like, like consider what the end is going to look like and then think, think about what we are going to wish we had done, right? Like, like talk to our people and get data, ask them to maybe keep a journal as to how they did it, like what worked for them mm. and what didn't, you know, things like that. I mean, not to get too much off topic, but I think this does tie into ecosystem and us mm -hmm. understanding how people are working in that ecosystem structure and it it's um it's what user experience designers and customer experience designers um are are really good at that whole research thinking and as i would encourage folks if you're in a big enough company that has a a ux team to uh to connect with them and to to find out you know how they do that kind of stuff and and be a part of their world and let them be a part of the learning world because you're all serving the same people mm -hmm. yeah it yep. certainly pokes a lot of holes in um, in various assumptions that we've been making about the things you know that we either make or provide, et cetera, for sure. Um, and and hopefully uh, by by thinking about that and bringing you know resolutions forward, et cetera, we actually you know make something that's better all around, not just sort of solving the specifics of of the temporal issue that we're all stranded in or, or working through. So yeah, um, Amy's saying the data analysis tool and process is a little stuck for us. We have all this data now, but the analysis work is so manual. Um, haven't sorted out how to add, automate all of this. Um, asking for any thoughts on that. So uh, I mean, there's a lot of companies who are, are trying to uh, sell part of the analytics. I know some of the LRS companies themselves have analytics as part of, of their platforms that, that may be able to help out. Uh, but I think it's still a big challenge in, in the industry. I mean, the um, mm -hmm. business and marketing side of data analytics uh, has been doing this for a long time. And I think the companies now on the learning side are just trying to, to catch up and, and mimic some of the stuff they're doing. But I think it's still a big challenge for the industry and how we actually uh, manage that data. Yeah. So the, the, the one <clears throat> suggestion that I would have uh, when you're trying to set this up would be to be very, very specific at this time as to what 
kinds of data you're trying to capture uh, to not go way out of scope, uh, to yeah. make it easier on yourself to manage it. Yeah. We used to argue with XAPI, you know, take the Google model, right? Capture everything. And then eventually you'll find a use for it or find a way. Uh, yeah, maybe not. Eh? Maybe focus yeah. on the, the, <laughs> the, the things because you, a, a, a mega metric ton of data, um, but no way to dig into it or analyze it isn't, isn't, isn't valuable anyway. So yeah, uh, like you, you might not want uh, click data on every single button that exists in, yeah. a, in a e-learning module, but you might want to know how many people are accessing this specific resource. Uh, so you, mm -hmm. you add the, uh, the, the data point on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and you part of that factor is, you know, what's the value in knowing this? Because how, by reporting on it, what will what information will that give us yeah. to give us insight to make other um, make other decisions, etc. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, there's a good cue. Joe Cook, good to see you, actually, by the way. But she's yeah. also probably cueing us to probably call it a wrap. Don't you think, guys? Because we're uh, getting yeah. the, top of the hour and everybody's probably got meetings starting up soon. No, definitely. Yeah. you know so um very cool well as always thanks to everybody who's joined us in the chat uh, some really great insights uh you know uh, amy and becky thanks for uh, for sharing those your thoughts in the chat there are lots of things um make sure you guys check out the link that derek did pop in and derek thanks so much for joining us here today uh prompting some, some neat thoughts and it's always interesting to see how uh things evolve in, in you know as as we're all in this new phase of, of things and the little uh, the little blips and such so and thanks to everybody for their patience for us getting started today the the squirrels finally were all running apparently in the same order and in the same direction and we got that metric imperial peanut solution in place so <laughs> you know, hopefully, out. hopefully we'll, we'll have that uh, for next week too so awesome and if folks want more information i think you uh you guys had linked the uh the paper in the the invite for the uh the crowdcast ah okay yeah yeah it's in the invite yeah. so yeah you can drop that's that cool. stuff into uh, the chat too if you want before yeah, we go yeah. Derek and and even okay. after we're done here while the while the the numbers are crunching in the background here and the and the recording gets saved here you can still go into the chat and drop stuff in folks these things stay live in mm -hmm. crowdcast so you can always come back and watch the recording and rescan the chat just in case you were wondering yeah for sure all right well thanks everybody let's dance out of here. Yeah, good times. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Derek. Great to see you. Thanks so much. It just wouldn't be a, without a double Z. <laughs> Get it up there. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Bye, rest everyone. of your day.